Welcome to the Queen of Hearts podcast. And here's the queen herself, registered dietitian Heather Klug. Well, we made it. Woohoo! The end of 2021. It started four years ago. Feels like. Feels like, yeah. And while we're looking ahead to hopefully happier, healthier days in 2022, here at the Queen of Hearts podcast, we're also taking a look back at our most popular episodes from the past year. I'm Heather Clue. And I'm Bethany DeBrew Adams. And we're from the, the Karen Yance Women's, Women's Cardiac, Cardiac Awareness Center. Center. Let's hit rewind on this crazy year. All right. Well, start us off, Heather. What were the top three Queen of Hearts episodes that we had from streaming platforms or people that listened directly from our Buzzsprout website? The episode with the most listeners was <laughs> Make Mine Mediterranean, oh. which we posted on April 30th to kick off International Mediterranean Diet Month. Yay! This was one of my favorite episodes to record because I love talking about the Mediterranean diet. <laughs> we gave an overview of this way of eating, resources to help you follow the Mediterranean diet, mm -hmm. including meatless Mediterranean cooking videos on our Karen Yan Center YouTube channel. Check those out if you haven't done so yet, by the yes. way. And we also discuss the top five ways the Mediterranean diet is so good for your heart. Mm -hmm. The clip I chose is Bethany's fun analogy to the Mediterranean diet. Yay. So enjoy. Now, I think most people know that the Mediterranean diet is very healthy. Mm -hmm. It's hard to not hear about that at all. It's, right. it's actually talked about quite a bit in the news it almost always gets rated as the number one healthy diet or heart-healthy diet, according to the U.S. News and World Report Best Diet Rankings each year. Yes, I always see it up there. Mm -hmm. For 2021, the Mediterranean diet had the following rankings. Okay. Okay, it was quite a few of them. So here we go. All right. So number one best overall diet. Awesome. Number one best heart-healthy diet. Okay. Although it was tied with the DASH eating plan, okay. very similar right. to the Mediterranean diet. It was also number one best diet for healthy eating. Okay. Also tied with the DASH eating plan there. Number one best in plant-based diets. Okay. That one might surprise some people. It's not 100% plant-based, but it's highly plant-based. Okay. Okay. Number one best diabetes diet. Okay. Tied with the flexitarian diet. I think that one would surprise people too. Yeah, actually. And then the number one easiest diet to follow. That one sounds like the most important one. Yes. At least for, for me, that would be like the selling point. Yeah. Because I want easy. I hear you there. Yeah. So basically, with all of these number ones, I think the Mediterranean diet, if it were a swimmer, for example, it would be the Michael Phelps of all diets. Ooh, I like that. Right? That's Thank a you. good analogy. <laughs> yeah, it's I like got that. Everything. It's winning all the gold medals, which means it sounds like more of us should be eating this way. <laughs> that was a good analogy that I came up with. You are quick with the quips, Bethany. I do have my moments here and there, I have to admit. <laughs> So let's move on to the second most popular episode on our streaming platforms. The second most popular episode is one of a more serious nature. Okay. It was called Stroke in Young Women, 
what you need to know now. Uh, okay. Yep. We posted this episode on May 21st during National Stroke Awareness Month. We had on guest Susie Lesser, the manager of the Aurora St. Luke's Stroke Program. Susie shared the reasons why young women ages 20 to 39 years of age are having more strokes, from high blood pressure to eclampsia during pregnancy to even migraines with auras. Yeah. We also reviewed signs and symptoms of strokes and what to do if someone is having a stroke. Okay. The clip I chose to share is Susie's extra important advice to follow if you or a loved one is having a stroke and you're headed to the hospital. So we've worked with the stroke team for several years, um, Karen Yant Center has, and we know that you guys encourage people to remember the acronym BEFAST when it comes to noticing stroke symptoms, either in yourself or in other people. Can you go over what BEFAST stands for? Because I know that it's normally fast, but you guys added the B part. (laughs) Yeah. And and actually, you know, the story behind when we added the B is we actually had a team member's significant other who was found to have an unusual stroke. And so that's where our our B for balance, our E for eyes, they can, you can have double or blurry vision, Mm -hmm. F for facial droop, A for arm numbness, weakness, S for speech, slurred or gargled speech, T is terrible headache. And we always tell people we want you to be fast. We want you to call 911. We want you to get you to the hospital. If you have a friend, family member, somebody bring you in, usually, and what research has shown is that your care is a little bit slower. When you call 911, that ambulance lets the hospital know, I have a patient coming in who has a suspected stroke. They get the doctor ready. They get the nurse ready. They clear the CT scanner and everybody is there waiting for you. Whereas if you come in through the front door, we haven't had that lead time. So we always tell people, be fast, come in, get checked out as soon as possible when you are experiencing those signs and symptoms of stroke. Mm, That's a really good tip to know. I hadn't thought about that before, but that makes sense about coming in through or coming in with an ambulance because I think most people would think, oh, I'll just drive, you know, my family member there. That was very solid advice. You know, if you or a loved one are having a stroke, make sure you come in with an ambulance for the best treatment and outcome, and it's going to get you to the hospital quickly. Yes. Time is brain. Remember that, That's right. That's one of the most important things to remember. Yes. Coming quickly. So, Heather, big moment. Mm -hmm. What is our third most popular episode of 2021? All right. The third most popular was actually a two-parter and had to do with mental health. Yay! We did this two-parter in January 2021. A hundred years ago. I know, it feels so long ago. (laughs) With guest Mike Rupsch, a licensed clinical counselor. It was called How to Be More Resilient in 2021 and Beyond, Part 1 and Part 2. We discussed all things resilience, what it is, what it isn't, the five types of resilience, and how to build more resilience into our daily lives. It was very hard to choose just one clip from this two-parter, <laughs> so I'm cheating a little. And You are the queen of hearts, so you can. Yeah, I can do what I want. Yeah. That's right. I'm the ruler of my own heart. There you go. And so I'm putting in a clip from part one and a clip from part two. The clip from part one is a good overall reason to listen to both resilience episodes. Part two is a clip about putting the five types of resilience into everyday practice. 
I surprise Mike with my way of remembering the five resilience types. In a nutshell, resilience is the ability to thrive regardless of life circumstances. And my focus on resilience is what we do, the things that we do that help us become more resilient, better able to bounce back and tolerate stress, even thrive in difficult times. Yeah, well, according to that, I think everyone on planet Earth can relate and are probably thinking, I want more of that resilient stuff, or I just want to be more resilient. Yeah. And if you go online and search definitions, you'll see a couple different kinds of definitions. And the predominant definitions look at resilience as something that you get or you've got. I've got to get resilient. I'm not resilient enough. And my approach is from the science. It's an evidence-based approach that shows that if you practice the five components of resilience every day, you will become healthier and happier. Now, you might wonder, what does happiness have to do with it? The happier you are, the better you do. The science is very clear. Happiness translates into success. It translates into success at work, at home, in the community. People who are happier just simply do better. These five components of resilience that we're going to talk about definitely create and contribute to happiness. I'd like to leave the listener with these five components of resilience are things that you are already doing. So you are already resilient you can become even more resilient. One of the ways to do it is just by focusing on these five components of resilience. And I would encourage you to make a list on a piece of paper, or if you keep a journal or notebook or calendar, just grab a page and write down physical, mental, emotional, social, and everyday creativity. And then put in underneath each one of those headings, the things that you do in your life already, okay? That's where your resilience is at. And the point of it is that do these all the time when you need to and when you don't need to. If you come on a tough time, doing these things that you've written down will make a big difference. It'll build your resilience. Doing them every day anyway, whenever you think of it, is going to build your resilience. So when you hit that bump in the road, it's going to be easier to get over. And you're going to have these things that you've practiced that you can continue to do even as you're recovering from that tough bump in the road. Yeah, I like that. You know, one thing that was kind of sticking out at me because I'm a visual kind of learner is that you've mentioned these five different types of resilience. Well, we also have five fingers on our hand. Uh So since we take our hands with us everywhere, that might be a way for some people to remember it too. If you can link one of them to your finger and then thinking of how you can work that into your everyday life too. I don't know. That I love it. Stick in a little bit. That's just my way of maybe remembering it. You know, that idea is an example of listen to everybody because you're going to come up with an idea. You're going to hear ideas that you've never heard before. And I love that. I have been teaching this for the last seven years, and it never occurred to me that there are five components of resilience and five fingers on your hand. Excellent (laughs) idea. Those sound like two episodes that I need to go back and listen to again because something tells me that resilience is going to be equally important again as we head into 2022. Yes, resilience is definitely an important ability to have. Let's move on to our YouTube platform. 
Our most popular episodes on there were a little bit different than on our other streaming sites, weren't they? They actually were, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So back in October, we did a whole month of podcasts about perimenopause and what ladies out there can expect as they move through this transition, including okay. us. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it'll surprise anyone when I tell you that our most popular episode of the year and from that series was the one about perimenopausal sex. <laughs> so one of the funniest and most informative parts of that episode was when you, Heather, <laughs> talked about a presentation you saw a few years back done by a nurse who who specialized in working with women with sexual dysfunction, and she gave the audience some very solid advice. All right. I remember that. Let's take a listen (laughs) to it. So basically, her big message and what I took away from that was because when you have sex, it's actually bringing a lot of blood flow to the vaginal area and it helps keep that area lubricated. Makes sense. You need to have sex often. Oh. The more frequently you... Do you hear that, everybody? The more frequently you have sex, the healthier your vagina is and it'll stay healthier a lot longer. Okay. Because she sees women who sometimes go years without having sex because they start to have some painful issues that we're going to talk about. Right. You have pain. You don't want to do it. Right. And that becomes a vicious cycle. The longer you don't do it, the more it basically makes your vagina shorter and drier and atrophies. Yes. It basically gets weaker like any other kind of muscles. So anyway, I went home and I told my husband, (laughs) I said, you are going to love what I learned tonight (laughs) at this session. Very important. (laughs) I bet there are a lot of partners out there who would be thrilled. I learned we have to have sex a lot (laughs) more often. Right. Like I can get on board with that. Oh my gosh, that was such a funny (laughs) night. And you're right about not being surprised about sex being a really popular topic. What about the next most popular episode from YouTube? Well, we had a tie for second place. And one of those episodes was Five Scary Side Effects of Diabetes. Mm -hmm. And we did this episode back in November for Diabetes Awareness Month. Because we find in our work that a lot of the risks for heart disease are pretty intangible to people. Yeah. So we wanted to fill listeners in on some of the effects diabetes can have on you that you may not know about, and they're kind of scary. Mm-hmm. So our fifth scary side effect was probably a bit of a surprise to people. And see if you notice a theme here. All right. Let's take a listen. All right. The main sexual problem for men, so we'll start with men, Okay. due to high blood sugar levels is erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. If you have blocked arteries due to high cholesterol and high blood pressure, not enough blood can get to the penis, making it difficult to have an erection. Nerve damage also plays a role here. Okay. okay. The brain needs to communicate with nerves in the sexual organs. The inability of this to happen can mean that not enough blood can travel to the penis and nerves won't hold blood in the penis. Really? Well, I knew about like the high cholesterol part of that equation, but not about the nerves. That's something new I learned too. Learn Mm -hmm. something new every day here at the Queen of Hearts podcast. Okay, Bethany, you had to pick that (laughs) clip where I said penis like 
what, four times? Yeah. But I mean, okay, I would like to explain why because I realize this is a podcast for women, by Mm -hmm. women, but we women have men in our life and we want to make sure that all of the equipment is working the way it's supposed to. And also we've talked about sometimes there needs to be a different motivating factor for men to be more compliant with, you know, these treatment plans True. And mm-hmm. something about their penises might make them a little more <laughs> compliant if the women in their life mention it to them. That is very true. Okay. All right. Makes more sense now. Thank you. Now, in all seriousness, too, here, I really don't think people know that diabetes, in addition to raising your risk for heart disease, carries some of these effects. Yeah. And if we need to scare people to get them to be healthier, it'll be worth it. Yep. What was the other episode that tied with this one? Well, we got serious with the tying episode. Back in April, we talked about the heart effects of sexual violence for Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And we chose this topic first because, sad as it is, you are hard-pressed to find a woman out there who hasn't had some experience with sexual violence, Mm -hmm. quite frankly. And second, because we want people to be aware of the long-term health ramifications of sexual trauma. You know, it's not just about what happens immediately following the violence. Act. Yeah, yeah. So in this clip, we chat about some of the health problems people who've been victims of sexual violence are at risk for years after their attack. Okay. These physical responses can become long-lasting for many survivors of sexual assault and harassment contributing to poor health. Right. And sexual harassment and intimate partner violence in particular are considered chronic stressors because they both tend to be sustained over time, especially Mm -hmm. if you're going to the same workplace every day or you're living with this person. Yeah. So both can cause victims to be in a state of hyper-alertness with that fight flight or freeze response. Yeah. So that same 2018 study found that sexual harassment was linked to significantly higher blood pressure and a 20% increase in heart disease risk among those not already taking blood pressure medication. And higher blood fat levels were also observed, as was poor sleep quality. That equated to a doubling of insomnia risk. And if you go back and listen to our podcast on sleep that we did a few weeks ago, you hear about how insomnia can really impact your heart over time. Right, right. Add to this that a one-time sexual assault can produce long-term consequences as the survivor copes with intrusive memories that make her or him feel as if the enduring parts of the assault, you know, are happening over and over again. Right. So I didn't want to like end on a downer note. That wasn't Mm -hmm. my intention. Okay. I think the main thing we want listeners to take from these clips of these episodes is that you can be proactive here. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff comes into play when it comes down to your heart health. And there are lots of ways that you can manage these risk factors and mitigate these risk factors. And that's a positive thing. Right. So we're thinking positively as we move into the new year. And I know we've said this in other podcasts, but remember, up to 80% of heart disease is preventable. Exactly. All right. So we covered a lot of ground in 2021 and look forward to covering more in 2022. Can you believe 2022? No, that sounds so strange. to say. We are so thankful to all of you for being along for the heart healthy ride this year. If you like what you hear, 
Tell the favorite women in your life and share our show on social media. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen. And leave us a review, too. Yes. Here's hoping we all have a healthy and happy new year. Definitely. And as we always say, be Be the the ruler of your your own heart. heart. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Happy new year. Happy new year, everybody. Thank you for joining us on the Queen of Hearts podcast. Our podcast is recorded here at the Karen Yance Women's Cardiac Awareness Center inside Aurora St. Luke's Medical Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For more heart-healthy tips, info, recipes, and more, visit our website at www.karenyantcenter.org, like us on Facebook at Karen Yance Center, and follow us on Pinterest. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our show and be sure to tell your friends. Until next time, ladies, be ruler of your own heart.